you know, my definition of homelessness is not the absence of a home, a building. I think uh, the definition of homelessness is the absence of hope. Mm. And I think, you know, when we look at the one of the common threads, threads that I saw when it came to, you know, working in that population is that um, there is this teeter ground of losing hope and having hope. And those that had hope were the ones that had, you know, more successful rates with affordable housing or getting a job and doing those different things. Those that lost hope just ended up spiraling into more of a permanent homelessness. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, business leader, community activist, author, speaker, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you, the listener, that no matter where you are, no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact. My guest this week is Garrett Underwood. Garrett is currently the executive director of Seed House Project, a live-work home for at-risk youth. His position entails overseeing the daily operations, meeting financial quota, all that kind of stuff. But he is one of those people who is a visionary. In 2016, he decided to dive deeper into the homeless crisis in Los Angeles. He volunteered at all the major organizations within LA, the Dream Center, My Friend's Place, PATH, to name a few. And two years later, Garrett became the lead coordinator for the homeless outreach for all over the LA County, as well as the program manager at PATH. He has taken the lead in finding and creating solutions to the housing crisis in LA. All these years later, he has now housed over 100 people and he's created hope for each person that walks through his home. He has perfected the art of finding one's purpose with extensive assessment tools and a curriculum for how you can turn your purpose into a program for serving others. Garrett's story is absolutely incredible, so inspirational. I loved having him on the show and I love talking about some of the real issues that are facing those who are experiencing homelessness today. You are going to absolutely be blessed by this show and this episode. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Garrett Underwood. Garrett, I'm so pumped to have you. Welcome to the show. Molly, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show. I just the the second i f- i came across you and began to dive into your story and learn more about what you are doing with the seed house project i was like i need to talk to this guy so i'm really <laughs> excited to hear just the backstory and how all of this came to be so let's do it give us the garrett 101 so who you are what you do and how you got to where you are today yeah. Well, long story short, it's been a pretty long uh, journey. I started off with a clothing company, um, a faith-based clothing company. And so what I did is for every purchase made, I gave a hygiene package to people living on Skid Row and different uh, uh, homeless organizations. And it just kind of expanded. My heart kind of grew a little bit more on trying to figure out the solution because the hygiene package can only go so far. Um, and so I ended up... Uh, starting an employment program, which is a Save a Penny organization where they actually make jewelry and kind of share their story within this uh, employment program. And within the first year, we were able to employ about 98 young adults. So it expanded really fast. The the biggest problem was there was just a big turnover. A lot of youth were 
kind of bouncing from shelter to shelter, phones were turned off. And then that kind of brought me into the phase of actually donating my childhood home to start a, a, a housing facility for at-risk youth. And so I just, uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh, everything in a, in a nutshell of, of the long journey. Now, for those that don't know, you are currently based out of L.A. And did, were you born and raised there? Uh, yes, I was born in, in L.A., San Fernando Valley. You know, one of the things that I think is really incredible is is you and you kind of just briefly alluded to it. And I really want you to tell a little bit more of this story is you donated your home um, and then and I don't know exactly where in the story it fits, but you also like it lived in a trailer for six months with like, no electricity, <laughs> no running water. And, um, you know, so what happened that made you wake up one day and go, yeah, this is a decision I'm going to make right now. <laughs> And when probably everybody around you is like, well, Garrett, are you okay? Are, are you warm? Are you, are, do you have a fever? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, experiences. I'm a person that's kind of like very a fixer. So when I see a problem, I want to try to fix it. And, um, you know, the, in LA, the homeless epidemic is just growing more and more. Um, and you're seeing a lot of youth that are experiencing homelessness. And so within the employment piece, when I was doing the employment program, um, I got really connected to one individual. His name was Cameron. And we helped him get like a full-time employment, got him into um, his own apartment from the shelter to the apartment. He even got a car, you know, he was really moving up. Um, and so he, uh, he then, you know, had some substance abuse issues from his mm -hmm. background because he went through foster care and experienced a lot of that. And so um, he kind of relapsed one day and then we kind of uh, supported him in that transition. Nothing, you know, major happened, um, but he did lose his job and that kind of made him kind of lose his housing. Um, and then at that point he was staying in his car. And his biggest thing was that he never wanted to be homeless ever again. Mm -hmm. um, and so to see himself back into that place um, really, you know, hit pretty hard for him. And so, uh, yeah, long story short, he reached out to me. Um, I thought about bringing him into, you know, my home to stay with me for a little bit. But then I also thought about all of the, you know, responsibility that comes with that. And it kind of scared me. And so uh, in most cases, sometimes we, we kind of turn a blind eye to certain situations when someone's reaching out. Um, and then within a week later, he relapsed again and, and passed away uh, in in the college junior bathroom. And so that was a huge hit for me that kind of woke me up and said, okay, um, you know, it is a lot of responsibility, but with these, you, you know, young adults that are experiencing homelessness due to foster care, it's, you know, it shouldn't, you know, they, they don't really have a foundation like I did growing up, you know, so how can I support them in any way possible? So I had roommates at the time and I told all my roommates, Hey, you know, everyone has to move out by the end of the month. I'm going to bring in a lot of young adults that are experiencing homelessness and, uh, you know, work with them. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I've had extensive uh, experience background before even moving into this place. So anybody that's out there that just has this <laughs> sporadic <laughs> thought, uh, definitely make sure that you get some type of consulting because it is uh, a lot to kind of work around. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the trigger that like really set, you know, set me off to to start this program. And yes, you know, family, my parents and everybody was wondering what what's wrong with you? Why are you moving into a trailer? And so, 
you know, I stayed in there for about six months, but I, I definitely got to realize, you know, what these young adults are experiencing in there, you know, um, the, the feeling of loneliness, embarrassment, you know, I didn't even document any of this footage inside there, but, you know, because I was in a, you know, embarrassed position, you know, I, um, you know, coming home from work and then you're going into a trailer, waking up early, going to take a shower at the gym. It's a lot of time management that I didn't, I took for granted, such as like your, your phone, for instance, you got to make sure you charge it when you're out because I didn't have electricity where I was at. And so, you know, you got to constantly balance all these different things, let alone your, your own personal life. So it's a, it's a, it's a lot of weight for anybody going through that. I am curious, and this is just something I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm naturally a curious person. That's probably why I host a podcast so I can interview people and ask them questions because that's just who I am. But I'm curious if there was something in your childhood, like where, at what point did this issue in particular begin to really be the issue that you kept you up at night? And, you know, was this something maybe, you know, your parents instilled in you or, you know, was it a childhood friend? You know, where where along the way did you begin to feel a pull, a calling towards working with people, especially youth who are experiencing homelessness? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, now that I'm in my latter times of, you know, where I'm at with, with the whole program, I actually do purpose therapy coaching. And I, and I kind of help people pinpoint where those specific uh, life-changing events happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all experience these life-changing events, but we don't necessarily focus in on those things that kind of create the, the long haul purpose for your, for your um, overall goal in life. And, and so just before we get in, I have this really cool free tools of trying to, you know, be able to dissect what that looks like for you. Um, so it's at free tools, saveapenny.org. Um, and so you can literally, there's a roadmap of how to kind of uh, pull back the onion of what you're here to do and really trying to figure out your purpose. Mm. Um, but for me, for me in general, I think just looking back at like the different experiences that I, I never went down to Skid Row in LA is a huge area where, you know, a lot of people are experiencing homelessness. I never really went down there until I hit, you know, maybe around 20. Um, but I did have a lot of different experiences going to like, you know, homeless shelters and, and, you know, giving out food at a young age. Um, and even just my church background also kind of gave me a little bit more uh, compassion when it came to, you know, others that are, you know, dealing with different uh, troubles and hardships, just learning about Jesus and how he gave his, mm. his, his life, you know. So I, I kind of had those different experiences that built into me. But I think in general, me just wanting to uh, kind of see a certain issue. Um, and then I always loved kids. So when I saw, mm-hmm. you know, young adults, you know, going through something, it just really pulled to me more and more and wanted to like, you know, just be there for them. Um, so when you see those different breadcrumbs of me loving kids, you know, going to, to church and, and understanding the whole part of, you know, living a compassionate life and giving back, those are the different things that kind of uh, help me to to understand. And I do think that a lot of us need to, that are trying to figure out their purpose. One of the things that we have is like 20 different assessments that you go through to really try to understand yourself. Sometimes we get all these different uh, things that we're supposed to become. Um, Cause I actually went to school for kinesiology. 
Hmm. And I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to say, a you know, <laughs> little bit of a different, little, little different. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, it took me some time to pull, peel back the onion and really try to understand who I was in order to gain confidence in the decisions that I make. Um, we have all these different responsibilities of what we should be, how much money we should make, but really trying to find our passion is is the biggest thing um, that we can do while we're on this earth because we're going to make the biggest impact once we find that. Now, I know this about kind of, you know, when you were beginning to think and brainstorm this idea, this seed of an idea, see what I did there, um, for <laughs> the Seed House Project. It was, it came out of a season where you had been, you know, working and volunteering with a lot of organizations that work with um, different populations of people who are experiencing homelessness. And you began to see some common threads that were essentially different. I don't, I don't know, if, you know if systems is the right word, but different things that were in place that made it really difficult for people to get out of you know, a, a season where they are experiencing homelessness. And so it's almost like there were these barriers in place that, you know, whether it was lack of access to a job, affordable housing, uh, you know, substance abuse, all these kinds of things that were kind of keeping them stuck. And you began to notice those things. And so I'd be, I'd be curious for you to share what were those things that you began to notice and how did you begin to work through what it might look like to address those things? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my definition of homelessness is not the absence of a home, a building. I think uh, the definition of homelessness is the absence of hope. Mm. And I think, you know, when we look at the one of the common threads, threads that I saw when it came to, you know, working in that population is that um, there is this teeter ground of losing hope and having hope. And those that had hope were the ones that had, you know, more successful rates with affordable housing or getting a job and doing those different things. Those that lost hope just ended up spiraling into more of a permanent homelessness. And so once I started to see those different things, um, I realized that purpose is like a real big piece to finding that hope. Um, if you don't necessarily feel like you have their hope for your, a purpose, it's really hard to attach yourself to something that you can see yourself doing in the future or attach yourself to doing something in the future. And so within our program, we totally focus on purpose. Uh, we built a whole, gutted out the garage and built a whole podcast room as well as a music studio, photography. We have an entrepreneurship academy program. And so we do do all those other wraparound services, such as trying to find the employment and career development and um, life skills, all those things. But if we don't attach hope, um, those things are meaningless. You know, mm. you can teach all those different things to them. But if there's nothing to look forward to, to grow into, especially youth that don't have a foundation that are coming out of foster care, their foundation is that purpose, you know, because for many of us that grow up with parents and family, we have some type of foundation of like, oh, this is where I'm from. I'm from, I'm actually from Trinidad. So like our family's from Trinidad, you can have this foundation. Um, but someone that's went through foster care that has no idea who their parents are, it just makes it really hard to keep going when nobody else is cheering you on. And so when you develop a purpose and, and a vision for yourself, whether it's acting or starting a business, 
now you have customers that are kind of like our followers that are trying to, you know, push you on, uh, encourage you to become the the person that you want to be. And so um, now that there were in 2022, there's so many different outlets to express yourself and use your voice. You don't need to pay for advertisement. You can create a certain way to, to get advertisement now um, with all these different platforms. And so we just kind of push that, you know, using social media as a uh, an anchor for purpose and giving them the space to to really share their voice and really imagine again. You know, I think as we get older, we lose that imagination of what could. And especially for youth, um, they've uh, that been through foster care. They're just being told what they should and shouldn't do. Go to this home, live here for a couple months, and then go here. But they don't really get it, a chance to imagine the possibilities. They're always in survival mode, and so we're trying to shift that. Of you no longer have to survive, let's thrive. You know, so yeah, yeah. I know that one of the things that I've kind of learned over the years in some of the because I I used to work with some organizations that are focused on um, you know our anti human trafficking organizations, and obviously you know, the population of women and girls who are experiencing homelessness, whether that's, you know, they're teen girls who are runaways, who, uh, you know, are often trafficked within the first 48 hours of um, becoming homeless. One of the things that when they were kind of getting out of that and, and coming out of those seasons, the thing that they was really difficult. It was almost like we had to talk about how to rewire like their neural pathways of thinking, you know, in a visionary sense, like thinking forward, thinking long term, because when you get into that, that pattern of just survival mode and thinking about where your next meal is going to come from, you know, where you're going to sleep that night or what, you know, whatever it is, is the next thing you know, that switching your gear, the gears in your brain to think, oh, I actually, you know, I can start dreaming and I can start having a vision for my life and I can, Mm -hmm. and I don't have to have this mindset of where's my next meal going to come from. That's so difficult. That's such Mm -hmm. a difficult, um, you know, just train of thought to break. Uh, Because when you, I mean, there's, I mean, like countless studies that have been done on when you have a repetitive uh, way of thinking, whether it's positive or negative, you're actually creating neural pathways within your brain that tell you, you know, oh, well, this is true. And so you begin to, even if it's a lie, you begin to believe that lie. Like there's so many studies that have been done too on like, like murderers who like are convinced that they're innocent and they just like keep telling themselves the same lie over and over again. Everybody's like, "Mm -mm, we caught you on camera. And he's like, but I didn't do it. You know what I mean? I realize it's a really extreme example, but it's, it's true whether that, and then, you know, you go all the way down to, you know, youth or teens who are experiencing, um, you know, issues with self-esteem. And if Mm -hmm. they're standing there and they're looking in the mirror every single day, you know, saying these negative things about themselves, they begin to believe those things. They begin to believe that those things are actually true when they are not. And so it, but in order to rewire those neural pathways, it takes work. It takes work. And so I'm curious, like, what are some of the things that you have seen have really begun to make a difference when you're 
you know, trying to essentially rewire someone's brain to, to for them to know they have purpose, they have talent and skill and, you know, they're brilliant and they're beautiful and they're capable, all these kinds of things that where the rest of society or the rest of their life, or especially if they've been maybe in the foster care system, they've been told over and over and over again that they don't matter, that mm. their that their lives mean nothing. How do you begin to rewire those neural pathways? Yeah, I'm glad that you kind of noticed those different things because it is really, you know, it is a long process. This yeah. doesn't happen overnight, For of, sure. you know, them figuring it out. Um, but one of the tactical tools, not only do we have a bunch of different workshops that happen throughout the month um, for them to, you know, start practicing voicing themselves, but we also do powerful experiences. And so when we think about our own self of like making different shifts, um, you know, for the first time you rode a horse, or maybe the first time you traveled outside the country, those things were powerful experiences that kind of shifted the way you looked in about your, you know, looked at, at your world. You, you realize, okay, our, my world is so much bigger. There's a whole other country out there. Or this is different riding a horse, whatever that looks like. Um, so we try to capitalize on creating those powerful experiences where they haven't really experienced something before and they're able to see themselves doing it because they actually did it. And then we also bring in a lot of different speakers that have the same background as them to create that relatability for them to understand that if they can do it, then then you could do it as well. Mm. Um, so it's really trying to help them be able to see, but also creating a community of, you know, believers, you know, bringing the community that has, that have um, already got to where they wanted to be and they have the same experience and bringing them in to kind of mentor them, to walk them through uh, those steps. Um, because I think the biggest thing is, you know, especially for youth, if you've never been in their situation, they, they can disregard you for, you know, um, because they feel that they don't, you know, that person might not know, you know, how they feel. And so our biggest thing is let's bring people that have been in that situation and that is successful so that they can actually see themselves uh, in those places as well. So it is a long, you know, process, you know, in most of the cases it takes about two years for that rewiring to happen. Um, but even at two years, they're still dealing with those, uh, triggers from the past. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's like dropping the seed. That's why we're called seed house project. It's yeah. a little seed for them to, uh, to kind of start watering as they, you know, grow into the adults that they want to become. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Garrett to thank our partner of the show. And that's Mama Suds. After a long, cozy winter inside, it is spring. And so it's time to bust open the windows, grab your Mama Suds germ cleaner and get to cleaning from the windows to the walls, to floors, upholstery, carpets, you name it. Mama Suds has a truly safe and effective product to help you clean it. I have personally used Mama Suds in our home for years. I love their all-purpose cleaner, their Castile soap, the toilet bombs. They are incredible. So head on over to mamasuds.com and use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Garrett Underwood. There are obviously a lot of myths and misconceptions about populations of people who are experiencing homelessness. And sometimes those myths, those misconceptions, those maybe those stereotypes, things like that uh, are difficult to break. For somebody listening who maybe has some of those things, what are the things that you kind of see 
people maybe think about people who are experiencing homelessness and what is actually true? Yeah. Um, well, not every homeless person is like an addict. Um, I think that's a big thing. Um, and then also just understanding the backstory on a lot of people that are experiencing homelessness at one point, you know, they may not have been homeless or what are some of those experiences that they had to kind of lead them there. And so some statistics in LA, you know, 30% of the popular, the homeless population come from foster care background. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the jail system, 70% of people exiting the jail system has also came from the foster care background. And, you know, um, most people that do exit out of the jail system, um, because of whatever they have on record, it's really hard for them to get jobs. So these are different things that prevent like different barriers that prevent actual permanent housing. Um, so, you know, with those numbers, you can see that, yes, you know, they may have did something to get into to jail, but also understanding that, you know, most of them grew up without that foundation. And the foster care system is is a little, uh, at least for L.A., it's a little uh you know, needs to be redefined or like, you know, recreated because it's still when it first was uh, put together. And so um, that's a whole other barrier that um, people may not understand is, you know, once you exit out the foster care system, you either have, you know, family or you you might go into a shelter. Um, And I know at 18 or even 21, I wasn't even ready to actually pay, you know, for the cost of LA rent out here, you know? Um, and so, um, or even think about my credit, never really thought about building my credit and different things like that. And so if you don't have the guidance and that foundation going through, you know, the foster care system and aging out, it's a real traumatic, you know, event, um, that happens. And, um, so those are some, you know, some myths that I guess not, you know, everyone is, is an addict and, right. and even those that, that are going through addiction, you know, you have to consider the whole story, not just right. today when you see them. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I, yeah, you, you mentioned, and, and you talked about the, just the cost of living there, which, I mean, I think about when I was graduating college, I had for a while considered moving to either New York or LA and because I wanted to pursue comedy. And I think back to that time and I I never could move there because I couldn't afford it. I'm like, I was, and, and I was like searching for jobs everywhere. And I know that the, the job economy is different now, but even then, I mean, it was just insane. And I was like looking at these, you know, studio apartments that are like 500 square feet and, you know, one bed and a bath and maybe like a little kitchenette. And it was like $2,500 a month. And I was like, what is happening? Like, who can afford to live in these places? Like, this is just absolutely insane. And then one of the things that I think is so interesting, and I'm just fascinated by this stuff in general, is like how the last couple of years, how the pandemic has affected those things. And um, like, I read an article a couple of weeks ago that currently the state of California, just in general, is out out of U-Hauls. There are no U-Hauls because everybody <laughs> is moving out because it's just, it's no longer sustainable to live there. And so yeah. with all these people who can now like get a remote job, and I realize this is like a whole, you know, almost like a different topic, but it's just fascinating to me because you know you have these people that can work remotely 
And so they're moving to a place where they're still earning their like LA income, but they're moving somewhere else where that income isn't like giving them a, you know, $500 or a 500 square foot studio apartment. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just, it's fascinating. And so I think about like, how is that sustainable for an average middle class person, let alone somebody who has a barrier like coming from the foster care system or just, you know, getting out of prison or something like that? Like the, the added level of difficulty to earn a living wage and live you know, without feeling like you're living paycheck to paycheck and not to mention that at the time we're, you know, recording this, like gas is more than the minimum wage per gallon. Like how, how, how do you expect people to survive? It's, it's bonkers to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole, that's a whole other piece that I I hope you know, things kind of shift in, in, in changing those things, but you're right. I mean, it's kind of on the impossible side of things. And, um, you know, we got a, we got a big task over at Seed House. (laughs) Yeah. So for those that, you know, and I know we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but you know, on the day to day, what does Seed House do? How can people support the work that you're doing and what is sort of on the horizon for, seed house in the future? Yeah. So uh, specifically what we do is we don't call ourselves a transitional home or um, or even a, a shelter or anything like that. We call ourselves a, a live work a space for at-risk youth. So the goal to that is, you know, not necessarily putting labels on people as, uh, you know, in a shelter or whatever that looks like. It just because it creates a handicap, you know, mindset. Um, but what that looks like is we do offer, you know, all the wraparound services such as credit building, uh, life skills. We also offer infant employment. So once they come into our program, they get 300 hours of employment. And then we also focus really on the creative arts and, you know, expanding on, you know, just sharing their voice while being in the program. Some of the things that we're looking to do in the future is to uh, possibly, you know, open up another uh, home for women. And then we also want to have like an, an international exchange. So we're looking at you know, possibly getting another home in another country mm. so that we can have that powerful experience of giving back in another country while living there for a couple months. Um, so that's something that, you know, we do. And I also mentioned that I do help others uh, kind of navigate and find their purpose and expand on creating more nonprofits like ours. Um, so I, I do have like a, a coaching program um, that is, a, you know, 90 day course where it basically, you know, you can transition your story into uh, a nonprofit and we help with just building out the whole operations and executing. And even just if you don't even know what your your purpose is, we even kind of go into depth of, of what that looks like for you. Um, but I, like I said, I have free tools at um, freetoolssaveapenny.org. Uh, um, you can also find our employment program on there where they actually make necklaces, share their story on that same website, which is saveapenny.org. Um, so I'm sure it's probably going to be in the link of this podcast. Yes, so, I will make sure um, yeah. I will have all that in the in the show notes. You've alluded to it a couple of times, and I'd love for you to just kind of give us the overview of what this looks like, because I know one of the, the things that you are very passionate about is uh, helping people, like kind of teaching people what you call this five-step roadmap for turning mm-hmm. your story into a mission. And how, how do you go about doing that? And, 
you know, whether, you know, you're listening and you just think like, I've had a boring life. Like I don't have a, you have a story. Everybody has a story and it doesn't matter where you grew up, whether you grew up, you know, in the wealthiest neighborhood, or if you grew up, you know, on Skid Row or, or somewhere in between, Mm -hmm. you have a story and you can use that story, um, you know, for good, for purpose, uh, for a mission. Talk about that process that you, you walk people through. Yeah, so the five-step roadmap is just a quick uh, snap view of the actual 90-day course. Um, so we give some pretty good tools in there. And much like you said, a lot of people that I run into, like, I don't really have a story, but everyone has a story. Yeah. And my biggest thing that I say is, you know, you're an expert of your own life. Nobody has ever experienced your life. And so you're you're an expert in that. Yeah. Um, and so... What that looks like is they go through a series of assessments to really understand their core values, you know, the worldviews. How do you look at the world? Um, and we even kind of map out uh, your flow chart and what makes you uh, work at your maximum peak. And we even talk about your human design. And are you a manifester or a projector? So we go into a lot of different pieces to kind of understand you as a person. And then we go into a timeline piece where we talk about different events that happen in your life that really shifted the character personality that you are. And we go really into detail into that. And once we kind of pinpoint some of the major things that you've experienced and some of your strengths and, and weaknesses, then we kind of go into um, organizations that are similar to maybe a cause that you may be interested in and getting involved in. And we analyze those things and help them figure out what's the, the gaps within those pieces. And um, once we figure out the gap, we help kind of create a whole uh, operation around it. And then we even, even do a funding map for you. So the biggest thing is, how do I fund this piece? You know, how do I, do, how do I get the money for this? We help you develop what that looks like to, to, to bring in the income that you need to do that. Um, so that's kind of overall what the roadmap looks like. But the, the actual 90-day coaching is, is so much more in-depth. We help you develop your website and uh, logo, all those different things, and even just the legalistic side of all of it as well. I think it's such an incredible resource because there, I mean, I have heard from, I don't, I can't even, I, I, if I had a nickel for every time, you know, <laughs> somebody's like, I just, I don't, you know, I don't know my purposes. I don't know how to figure out what, what it is I'm supposed to be doing or what I want I want to do something that really, you know, matters, that means more, that, uh, is, you know, people. And obviously, like, I I know that you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, too. And so like, that's something that I often just am like, well, that's God placed that in your heart for a reason. Like, (laughs) he created us to to desire to live for something bigger than ourselves, aka living Mm -hmm. for what he's called us to do. And, you know, even people who don't, you know, have a, a faith perspective, um, still have that God given, you know, a desire within their hearts, uh, in order to, to do that. Um, but it, mm-hmm. it can feel daunting. It can feel scary. And, um, for you to create a resource where you kind of demystify and be like, it's not actually, it doesn't have to be that hard. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that difficult. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that that's, it's really powerful. So again, for the listeners, I'm going to have that information in the show notes of where you can check that out. And, um, you know, so if this is maybe something that you're really feeling a, a pull towards, you're feeling like, you know what, I think that it's time that I do something um, different or I've, I've, I've felt this kind of 
tug, <laughs> you know, to mm-hmm. something different. Um, this is this is definitely the resource for you. So Garrett, this has been fantastic. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. I just I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, so uh, thank you for being here. But before we go, it's time for the get to know you round. So Garrett, are you ready? I'm excited. Yeah. All right. All right. Question number one is I know that you're a very busy guy, but right now, what is your current guilty pleasure that you do just for you? Guilty pleasure. Uh, I don't know if it's guilty, but I really love painting. I'm an artist at heart. So I I, I do. Yeah. I do a lot of uh, sculpture work and, and whatnot. So so, yeah. so that's your, so you, you do painting and sculpture. What do you, I don't, I know nothing about art. I can draw like <laughs> stick figures with hair. So like, what's, what's your, what's your medium of choice? Is that the like fancy art question? Yeah, that I should it's, ask? it's probably, I, you know, I just do whatever comes out on me, but I would say it's probably more mixed media. Um, so it's a bit of like sculpture with painting. And so uh, it's what I like to do. I don't necessarily sell any of them. I just, paint. You just um, do it just so for most you. people, well, yeah, most people probably don't even know that I do this. So. I love that. I, I love <laughs> to think that there's somebody listening who knows you pretty well and is like, what? Garrett? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you tell me that? Um, no, that's great. I, I think that's amazing. All right. What makes you laugh the hardest? Um, wow. What makes me laugh the hardest? I think my niece, she's, she's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> how old, how old is she? She's too, oh, um, yeah. but she, she got a lot of personality when she, when she knows what she wants or it just comes out very blunt. And, yeah. And it's amazing. Kids yeah. are hilarious. <laughs> Kids are hilarious. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you ever want to be humble, just go hang around a kid. Cause they're just like, not <laughs> yeah. gonna, they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna filter themselves around you. <laughs> no, yeah. No holding back at all. <laughs> I love it. Okay. What is on your current most played playlist on you know like spotify apple music wherever you listen Mm, you know some people may uh you know disagree but i like a little kanye west you know so i think that's some of some of the stuff i I listen to you can Uh, like his music and still think that he's a crazy person (laughs) just kidding i'm just kidding don't send me an email people don't send me an email But yeah, Jesus King is a really cool album. It and is. Then, you know, yeah, it yeah. Is. So it is I, just a shame. I enjoy it. <laughs> That's yeah. also sometimes. Well, okay. So full full disclosure. I think it was what year was it? Oh, was it like two thousand eight? Maybe I want to say it was summer two thousand eight. I went and I saw Kanye in concert. But now, so this was two thousand eight, and I want to say it was like Kanye West, Nerd. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, so for for those that don't know, Pharrell Williams, he was the mm-hmm. lead singer of NERD. They were a uh, mm-hmm. a, a group in the mid aughts, the mid, <laughs> the mid something. <laughs> um, and then who was the other one? I can't remember. There was a third act, but I have to say, like Kanye put on a concert. Like that was mm. I. Yeah, I wasn't at the time. I was like, oh, yeah, Kanye is fine. Because this is again, this is like 2008. And mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, it's fine. Um, his music's fine. And then I saw him in concert. and I was like, okay, that is pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so yeah, the guy is the guy's talented for th- sure. There's a reason that he makes the big bucks. Um, yeah. So yeah, no judgment here. No judgment here. Okay. And then yeah. my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, uh, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? 
Uh, I think it's really just a lifestyle. I think uh, business is uh, a form of being able to survive, but you know, it's even it gets to a point where even if you weren't getting paid for what you did, like you'd still do it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just a natural a natural thing uh, for me. So I think you know, it's just it's more purpose for me rather than business. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Garrett, this has been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Molly. Appreciate you. I told you Garrett was awesome. My gosh, what an incredible conversation. Loved our time together. Be sure to tune in next week where I have my guest, Emmy Award winning journalist, Liz Brunner on the show. She is incredible. We had such a great show. I even had the awesome privilege of being on her podcast a few weeks ago. You're going to love it and do not miss it next week. As always, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Use the show hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Now, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Thank you for your support week in and week out. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with what they do for a living. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen and click the subscribe or follow button to help make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how this show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Now, thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.